Hi, and welcome to Things of Interest. I'm Sophia France. And I'm Serena Chen. This episode, we are talking about the Olympics. Yes, in what is becoming classic Things of Interest fashion, we are slipping in just before public interest for the Olympics absolutely disappears. But how could we not? The 2016 Rio Olympics has been a beautiful, terrible display of incredible sexism, racism, and women who I've just accepted as my queen. From describing women in terms of their husbands, to the gender policing of Casa Semania, to the fact that we still refer to swimming, and women swimming, it's been a great time to ignore and belittle great women. But we've also seen Simone Biles out-gymnastics everyone. New Zealand continue to be incredibly good at the most important metric, medals per capita, and Fu Yuanhui, who's from China, mentioned her period on international television. In Australia, there's been a lot of discussion about whether going to the Olympics was even worth it, with each medal costing the taxpayer $12 million. More generally, a serious discussion about how the International Olympics Committee should determine gender, and whether we should be gender segregating all the Olympic sports we currently do anyway, seems to be prescient. Prescient? Pres- uh, is, is there a little thing on Google that'll tell us? Hang on, hang on. Prescient? I- <laughs> prescient. All right. I was imitating the Google voice. Prescient. <laughs> well, I mean, like, that's that's quite a good place to start, Serena. Like, do you think we should still be gender segregating Olympic sports? I really don't know. To be perfectly honest with you, um, massive confession that everyone probably already knows is that I, I know nothing about sports. <laughs> um, I am, to use a sports metaphor, way out of my league. I think especially as we're progressing in our knowledge and our discovery of how gender is so fluid and it's on a spectrum and it's not nearly as binary as we thought. It perhaps makes way less sense now um, as we're finding this out to to segregate them so specifically. Um, But at the same time, I am no gender expert. I... I really don't have any scientific backing about this. So, I mean, I'd really like to hear what you think about this, Sophia, because I think you do have um, some biology knowledge that could be insightful and enlightening. What do you think? Um, I mean, like, there are some sports where it definitely no longer makes sense. So you look at things like, like shooting wasn't even gender segregated until, like, 1990 after the 1992 olympics and then gender segregation was introduced for some reason Hmm. um and no one i've i've talked to about it seems to be sure why um i think in sports like judo in sports where you already divide by weight class so things like Hmm. weightlifting that can correct quite readily for differences that might occur um between genders just simply because of the total muscle mass you can put on like Mm. often men can put on a lot more muscle mass than women and so they would be in a heavier weight class anyway when you look at something like gymnastics like it doesn't make sense not to have Simone Biles beat literally everyone as opposed to just all the women I can totally see that happening (laughs) right like and I'm pretty willing to believe that Serena Williams could also beat all the men so the question is like whether the reason we originally segregated sport, that essentially being, like, to protect women, like, whether that still holds legitimately. And I think the closest place that that comes to still being true is in track and field and swimming. 
So if you're looking at sports where you're like, lean muscle mass is like the most important thing you will often find that men are consistently doing better than women and that's generally because of how our bodies are typically made up right like Mm. women tend to store fat everywhere for the keeping of the babies and it's super hard for us to lose all of that and to put on a whole bunch of lean muscle mass whereas men are like oh i did one sit-up and now i have a six-pack um an experience i had when i was a competitive sports person uh and my brother was not and he had a six-pack and i was like well where is mine i didn't know what, that about what you, you what sports did you play um so i played a non-olympic sport i played underwater hockey cool we were a nat- nationally competitive team cool that is awesome um in general public in order to not then have to explain exactly how underwater hockey works i tend Mm -hmm. to say that i was a swimmer (laughs) um and like certainly in my time playing underwater hockey we would train against men um Mm -hmm. the the boys team or the mixed team that would play against us and it was quite funny because men play in a very different way and that this in a sense they like use their strength and was sort of smash through everyone um while playing whereas they couldn't as soon as the girls team got the puck in the sport like we could just keep it away from them a lot because we have very high skill level because that's sort of how the women's team ended up playing out mm-hmm. and it's something i think about a lot when talking about gender segregation in sport and that essentially like two very different games were played when you had women and men playing each other in underwater hockey but that meant that they were quite well even like quite evenly matched. Hmm. That's cool. That's interesting. Yeah. Um I'm not sure about overall gender um segregation. I think in like team sports there should be more mixed categories. So I think there's like mixed hmm. tennis doubles and badminton doubles and that's kind of it. I think if you're looking at something like AFL, not AFL. That's not in the Olympics. Sevens rugby, there we go. Um, or basketball, or yeah, something like that. It would be fascinating to have mixed teams playing each other because I think then you can see the very different skill sets that women and men bring to the court or the pitch or the field. Hmm. Or even if we were to see strikingly similar skill sets and then we realise that, hey, maybe there isn't such a big difference after all. Yeah, and Mm. I mean, like, in some sports, again, with, like, basketball, with things like sprinting, right, like, there are particular physical attributes that men are much, much more likely to have than women, and that's things like being two metres tall that mean they're going to have an advantage in that space. Mm. Um, But as I sort of experienced with underwater hockey, that isn't the end of the conversation. It's just sort of like, okay, sure, you can dunk. I just better make sure you can never get the ball. Right. Yeah. It would be really interesting um, for mixed team sports um, if you could see how the actual gameplay itself changes. I think that could make for some pretty pretty interesting games and pretty good watching. Because then you'd have oh, to definitely. be like, uh, you'd have to change up your strategies and you'd have to be more tactful. More, I don't know, you have to be smart in different ways and change it up a bit depending on who you're versing and what their team makeup is like and what their strategies are. I mean, I think people have to do that anyway when yeah. they're at the Olympics, um, but <laughs> it could be a different conversation when they're doing it about a mixed team, yeah. Mm. Um, 
I think the other th- idea that's been sort of tossed around in discussions about gender segregation, particularly with regards to team sport, is it might actually do something for the frankly horrendous wages that we pay our female athletes. Mm. So because of uh, <laughs> my lack of knowledge in sports, I had a quick Google around of just some articles floating on the internet, and I found this one, which reports um, about... It's reporting about the the international cricket competition in, I think, March this year. And what they found was that the prize for the women's tournament was $400,000, which is pretty cool. I mean, for a prize, it's a lot of money, team sport. And the prize money for the men's event was $5.6 million. 16 oh times the amount for the women's <gasps> tournament. Yeah, and when I read that, it was like, it was a feeling of shock at first and then a strange feeling of familiarity because this is what happens in other industries as well. It's like you'll hear the the wages or the salaries or the prize money for for women and you'll think, okay, cool, that's that's cool. Because we're women, right? Like we hear we hear that amount of money and we're like, yeah, yeah. I could dig that. I could dig that. And then you hear how much men are getting paid. And it is just so absurdly more. So much oh. more. And we're That's... in 2016. So. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's it's one of those situations. It's like, kind of have to laugh. Otherwise you'd cry, right? Like, Yeah. Like, I think I saw a tweet today about um, Australian football whatever it is which is like by and far the largest sport in Australia like I was slightly overwhelmed by how weirdly into AFL and the stupid oval pitches everyone here is mm. um and it was like the top there is like the top 30 women are getting paid something like 200 and something thousand a year and the top and there are like over 30 men that are getting paid over 300 and something thousand a year and it's just like Yup. Yeah, it's mind boggling. Right. <laughs> um, for soccer, football, and soccer terms, um, so the prize money for the women's tournament, uh, six hundred and thirty thousand pounds. A lot of money. Sounds pretty sweet. Prize money for men's tournament, twenty-two million. <laughs> twenty-two million. Oh my god. That's one heck of a pay gap, isn't it? It is quite a lot. And that's just for prize money. Like, that's not even the, the normal salaries that, they, yeah. that they're that they guaranteed to be paid. That's just but prize like, money. The prize money just seems so much like, congratulations, men, you've done very well in this, the real sport. And mm-hmm. then, oh, women, you came too. Here's a pat on the hat, a pat on the head, and like yeah. a crisp $1 bill to go down to the dairy and buy yourself a gobstopper. <laughs> like, that's how it feels. That's it ridiculous. Really is. It does. It feels like the kind of like 50s scene where, where like a man in a suit slips uh, a woman, I don't know, a dollar or something and tells her to like go buy herself something nice or some kind of completely patronizing shit. And, like, particularly sort of coming from New Zealand, right, where, like, the silver ferns are 
so important to us. Where like mm. I was always very enamored with the Black Sticks, the women's hockey team. Mm. Like to then be like these are women that I've like looked up to for a really long time, and that like we've sort of had the whole community around them, and they get paid like so much less than the men, and they have an earning capacity of so much less than the men. That's so horrifying. It's quite surprising here as well, just simply because sports in general is such a cultural centre of gravity in New Zealand. Like, our our rugby teams are revered and our netball teams, are, like, they're cultural icons, our netball team and our women's hockey team. So it's surprising that we don't pay them how they should be paid. Then again, yeah. maybe it isn't surprising. I don't know. Like the wage gap is everywhere, and it it really it really gets to a place where we're like almost gaslighting ourselves because it's it's so it just it's perpetrated everywhere in every single industry the pay gap, and it comes to a point where it's like I should be su- surprised at this, but I am no longer surprised at this. This is no longer shocking to me. At looking, but like especially at the prize money, like. That's so much more than the normal pay pay gap, right? Like, wage gap in Australia, um, I know because I had to present on this recently, is, like, currently at about 19%. That prize money is a lot more than 19% different. <laughs> uh, I can quickly calculate how much bigger. Do it. You've got a degree in physics. This is what you were born for. Yeah, typing, like, punching numbers into a calculator. So yep. for the, the soccer World Cup, so it says football, it could mean American football or soccer. I, I assume they mean soccer. A women's prize pool is £630,000. Men's is £22 million. So the men's is bigger than the women's by a factor of 35. It's 35 times more. So that mm. that is a lot. Um. And it, I guess it's surprising to us because the gap is so large. But then if you consider the fact that, I mean, pay gaps are calculated by annual salary, usually, annual wages. So, I mean, within a lifetime, that could add up to way more of a total gap than this prize money gap is. So we have to take that into consideration, too, is that, you know, the, the normal amount that they get paid every single day is an ongoing thing and that adds up it isn't just about the uh the percentage difference because if you look at the raw difference over time that could very well be 35 uh, 35 times more yeah cripes <laughs> she oh. that's just like i mean i was expecting it to be bad that's like so much worse than i thought it would be mm. Yeah, it's it's sneaky, right? Like when we talk about sexism nowadays, we talk about a lot of very subtle ingrained stuff and we don't talk about the pay gap as much anymore and we don't talk about like enfranchisement and right to vote much anymore, but it is absolutely still terrible. Like <laughs> it's just terrible. It's something that affects people who are like at the prime of their athletic prowess at the mm. peak of like something that they're not only passionate about but it's like making their country look really good yeah and they're still getting paid less than men yeah 
And it's like, I don't know what Team USA is getting paid, but, like, Katie Ledecky was an Olympic swimmer at this Olympics and, like, won the women's swimming by such a huge margin. Like, it Mm. was absolutely incredible. And, like, if she's not getting paid the same as, like, Michael Phelps or Ryan Lochte, like, I'm going to be so mad. (laughs) Like, I'll just go and, like, punch everyone in Team USA. Like, that's just... Oh my god. She's definitely not getting the same media exposure. Like I there is one thing that I did see which was a tweet with a with a photo of some newspaper in America. And it was the headline was um Phelps gets the silver in whatever meter butterfly. I can't remember. He got a silver medal. Cool, mm-hmm. you know. Add one more to his pile of medals. Awesome. And Underneath that headline, in much, much smaller, smaller letters, was uh, Ledecky breaks world record in 800 meter. (laughs) She broke the world record. And we're just going to whisper about it. We've seen that kind of, like, sexism. Yeah, there it is. I just found the... Ah, it's so bad, isn't it? It's terrible. And the saddest part about this is that both of us were not surprised. That's the saddest part. I mean, like, I'm I'm used to having to, like, hunt a little bit for people I look up to. Like, that's kind of what being a woman who exists in the world is all about. Mm-hmm. But, like, we've seen some really shocking, like, um, reporting of women's achievements this Olympics. Like, to an extent that I do not remember from last Olympics. But, like, I wasn't paying a huge amount of attention. I just watched the rowing and cheered for New Zealand. <laughs> but, like... There's just been, like, an incredible number of sexist moments. Like, um, there was a woman who got bronze in the shooting. Uh, yeah, um, trap shooting? Yeah. I think I saw the tweet like, as well, yeah. It was, like, her husband um, was referred to in, like, every single report that was given of it. Um, hold up. The, yeah. the worst thing about this is yeah, that yeah. I know that um, her husband plays for a team called the Bears, and I don't know her name. Like that's... Her name's Corey Cogdell Unrian, and okay. she was referred to as wife of a Bears lineman in almost every headline that was out there. And occasionally they'd be like, wife of Bears line- right. lineman, Michael Unrian, or whatever his name is, like, wins that. And it's like, he's not the one that won the medal. No. Oh. She got the medal! <laughs> One thing that I did remember, um, so my flatmate watches a lot of the swimming. She loves watching the swimming. And um, we watched one of, I can't remember what event it was, but there was this woman who just smashed it. It wasn't, it wasn't the decky, it was, I want to say Hungarian, I think she was. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but she smashed um. it. She was just incredible it was she was so much further than everyone else it was hozu that's um, the one yes Tinka yes Hozu, yeah and um and the there was an american commentator and when the camera turned to uh her coach and her husband who was celebrating um her spectacular win the commentator said and that's the man that made it happen it's just like yeah that's the person responsible for her individual success. And I was like, oh, cool, cool, great. 10 out of 10. Like literally biting down on my 
them trying like not to rage at just such a stupid comment. And like we've seen this like so much throughout the Olympics and it's just like it's so tragic. Like there was um an American gymnast who was like getting shade thrown at her because apparently she didn't smile enough while things were happening. There was a Mexican gymnast who was, like, not as lithe as gymnasts normally are, and everyone referred to her as, like, a pig and, like, body shamed her. And it's just, like, it's so ridiculous. And, like, that interview, so, um, Andy Murray won a gold medal in tennis and the presenter who was interviewing him was like you're the first person ever to win two olympic tennis gold medals Uh, that's amazing isn't it and andy murray said i think venus and serena have won about four each and it's like i'm stoked he said that but i'm also aghast that like the commentator just didn't know his shit just also just like forgot about the best tennis players that I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> like probably of all time. Definitely in our lifetimes. That, I mean, Venus and Serena Williams, they've been household names since I was little. And I don't watch any sports. Like, that's how incredible they are and yeah. how prevalent their achievements are. And they're just, like, beautiful, flawless humans. That's actually, it's been my favourite thing about the Olympics. Um, and my friend posted it on Facebook as well. Uh, it's just a line that says, The Olympics, what a time to be bisexual. Because <laughs> just like seeing amazing people achieve at the highest level is just mm. like, man, man, they're all so attractive. It's great. It's so fantastic. It's so fantastic too. Because it's, it's one of those times where you, I don't know. To me, it's kind of like watching a really complex uh, production of some kind, like a play of some kind, because it's you know that everyone there has put in all of their time and all of their effort into this one day, this one event, those, I don't know, in some cases, 10 seconds, all of their lives dedicated to that, and seeing people achieve I don't know, there's something magical about that. It's just the the height of human achievement and what blood, sweat and tears will do. It's inspiring. Yeah. All the gymnastics are also like this incredible production, like particularly the team stuff. Like I saw some of the finalists for the team gymnastics and it's just like, oh, oh, <laughs> you've all done very well. Yeah. I'm very intimidated. <laughs> And like I think I think Simone Biles also had like the most wonderful thing to say when being sort of referred to as like the next Usain Bolt or the next Michael Phelps and she was like, No, no, no. I'm the first Simone Biles. Yes. Which is shows yes. incredible presence of mind for someone who's like nineteen. Yes. Um and just like it's it was a nice way of just kind of pointing out that like she shouldn't be compared to firstly men and secondly people who are not gymnasts. Mm. They need to get on her level is yeah. what they need to do. Oh, I know, right? Gosh. I just like did you see that um she was like tweeting at Zach Efron and he flew down to Rio mm-hmm. to like support Team USA. Oh her. real. 
Yeah, that was amazing. Oh, the best. One of my favorite tweets uh, from the Olympics was Simone Biles and Simone Manuel having a selfie together. Simone times two. Just, ah, black excellence. Fantastic. Oh, it's so good. Speaking of black excellence... We should probably use this moment to segue into Cassis and Mania. Right. Um, please do tell me about that because I, again, no knowledge. <laughs> so, yeah, um, please explain to me and our listeners about what is what is the deal? What is what is the hat? What is the thing? So, Cassis and Mania is an amazing middle-distance runner. I think she's perfect. She's amazing. I love her. Um, in... Uh, 2009. So she she's like a year older than us, Serena. She's 25. Don't tell me that. Oh my god. How do you feel about what you've achieved in your life? Don't, don't tell me that. I mean, I, I, I did a lot of steps today. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> like that. That is that is my level of um, physical achievement. Is I. I did my step goal today. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but yeah, incredible. Just such incredible humans. Yeah. So um Carlos Savania, as far as we're aware, and um I think I don't think any of the tests have been like officially released, but essentially like as far as we're aware, she has hyperandrogen androgenism, which basically means she is quite high testosterone, like on the high end. And like Saying it's on the high end, firstly, doesn't mean that she's using artificial doping um, because there's, like, quite easy ways to tell about different balances of hormones as to whether there's artificial doping going on. Secondly, it doesn't mean that, like, she's necessarily, like, super good at sports or, like, manly in any other way. And I think it's, like, the amount of discussion that's occurred, particularly surrounding, like, her appearance, I find, like, quite racist because, like, that's often a comment that's leveled at people of African descent being like, oh, the women look like men. And it's just like, that's simply not true and also not a result of um, Caster's hyperandrogenism, right? Like... Right, and what do they even mean by, like, looking like men? That makes... Just, yeah, it's sorry. Go on. I read a lot of very offensive things about her doing research for this, so like I, oh I am very angry about all of it. I'm um, so sorry for that time. <laughs> um, and she, as a runner, like has been not allowed to compete in competitions with an androgen level of over particular a particular amount, which means she's been having to take. Um, I think androgen uh, suppresses. Uh, but I'm not entirely sure about that. Um, this has meant that her times got worse, which commentary has been made that her times got worse while she was on androgen suppressors because the testosterone was like why she was good at running. I think if you talk to anyone who has ever been on hormones that, or anything that changes their hormones in any way, that can like heck you all the way up. So I'm almost like inclined to believe that she was not doing as well when on like drugs required by the international athletics, um, federation like that it was because she was taking hormones and that sucks that sucks so bad um so the international athletics federation or whatever they're called um 
they changed their policy in 2015 on hyperandrogenism, so high natural levels of testosterone in women. Uh, this is because a sprinter, an Indian sprinter called Duti Chand, um, basically said, this here, this is discrimination. You have, like, no way of knowing that the fact that I simply have high natural levels of testosterone makes me really good at running. And in fact, I'm just, I'm, like, I, as far as I know, like, part of her argument was, like, I'm also not that good. And I think, like, that's something that you often find in people who have high natural levels of testosterone. Because you'll see it in things like endometriosis, you'll see it in things like polycystic ovarian syndrome, and a good friend of mine made the wonderful comment on a Facebook status I posted that I have high level high levels of testosterone because of my polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, and I'm about as athletic as a potato. Uh, Same. <laughs> which I think is I mean, like, not for the first part, but potato, yes. Yeah, like, I, and I think it's legit. And, like, there have been studies done. There was one done in, um, I think, 2012 that showed that, like, in elite athletes, you will find more women with high natural levels of testosterone than in the general population. You'll also find more men with low natural levels of testosterone than in the general population, to the extent that there's like no statistical significance between women and men, which I think is like what we end up finding with a lot of biological differences. Like when you actually say, oh, but is it statistically significantly different? It's like, uh, not, not really, soz. Um, so she then attended the Olympics, she ran in the 800 meters, like, without any changes to her natural testosterone levels, she won it, it was beautiful, like, just her running, like, I strongly recommend going and watching her win the 800 meters, because it is just glorious to see her run, and there have, as a result, been racist and sexist and cisnormative comments made essentially right like um the polish runner joanna Jozwik um said like oh i'm the first european and i'm the second white so i'm really happy with how i won i'm basically a silver medalist and then like all the um people who placed who were all of like of african descent i don't know if they were all representing african countries um she was like, you can see they all have testosterone. That's why they look how they look and why they run how they run. And it's just like, really? Wow. <laughs> like, chill, man. You got fifths. It's okay. It's respectable. Just, oh, man. And I mean, like, there have been some people who have sort of um, made the comment that, like, if you allow women with high natural testosterone levels to compete in this contest, um, the next step is just, like, allowing men to compete as women because they claim they identify that way, which I think is, like, a decently willful misunderstanding of gender politics. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a difficult line to walk when you're an international body that needs to figure out how to reliably and consistently separate genders in sports. Like, mm. that's tough. But I think the International Olympics Committee and the International Athletics Federation, in changing their policies, have made the right move. Yeah. But I think they should also okay. tell people to be less racist. When one says something is as ignorant and as just, like, blatantly racist as that, where do you even start from? It's like It's like getting target confusion it's like i don't even know where to, where to start with the comment like that it just it just amazes me that no one i don't know i assume someone who would make a 
comment as racist as that probably made some slightly less racist but still racist comments earlier in their life and like surely someone would have stopped them and be like hey but also that's not cool you see even in the not explicitly racist comments there are people who are being like quite discriminatory in their language towards casters so like the, i think the british runner sort of said like i feel like a silver medal winner and like other members of team britain were being like oh congratulations on your silver medal despite the fact that you didn't place because the three african runners were better like <laughs> it's just it's absolutely ridiculous the way that the athletics community has responded to this and like mm. caster like hasn't publicly spoken out very much. She had to take a press conference after winning the 800 metres because that's part of the requirements mm-hmm. of being a gold medal winner. And, like, I mm-hmm. feel terrible for her. Like, the amount of yeah. scrutiny over her gender, over her identity, over, like, whatever the inside of her body has done has just been, like, so intense. Yeah. And I feel really bad for that. Absolutely. Just... Women, and particularly women of colour in the public eye, just get treated terribly. And it's just, like, it's a natural variation, right? Like, we do not prevent people who are, like, unnaturally tall from competing at the Olympics. Otherwise, basketball Mm. would be boring. Like, why are we (laughs) preventing... And, like, when I say unnaturally, I mean sort of on the edges of what we currently see as natural, on the edges of what might be seen, like, might legitimately be a pathology and that would have other negative effects when you look at like caster's likely hyperandrogenism like she's doing fine like Mm. it's the same kind of difference if someone had like longer legs or say for example was like born in a country that has a really well established athletics program that allows people to like focus entirely on their chosen sport Mm. and like gives a lot of money to them to, like, get a lot of training and competing. Absolutely. I'd almost argue that that makes even more of a difference than, like, the slight difference levels of testosterone and, like, resources just so important. Yeah, but that's not really a conversation we're having in the outcome of Rio Olympics. What we're saying is, like, is it fair that she naturally is better at this particular thing? It's like, of course it's fair. (laughs) Is it fair that, like... You might be from the UK or the USA or even, like, Poland where you have access to, like, incredible resources and the ability to just do your sport all the time and get the best trainers in the world to come and hang out with you. Like, Mm. she's from South Africa. South Africa is very dangerous. (laughs) I mean, even something as as simple as just good nutrition from a young age makes such a big difference. I think I read a study a while ago that was talking about how how big a, a an impact nutrition at a young age makes to your height difference, to, like, how tall you're going to be. And so if, if that happens, then, shit, isn't that unfair? Like, it, it, it is quite incredible, the, the conversations that come out during the Olympics and how, it, how silly they are. I mean, like, we've seen a lot of discrimination throughout the Rio Olympics. Like, mm-hmm. I think the fact that we, that there are now people like legitimately getting super mad about it is quite a good thing. But then you see things like, um, I don't know if you saw the horrific article in the Daily Beast. I don't read the Daily Beast. I, I mean, 
probably didn't see it. Me neither, but I heard about this article. Um, and it was mm-hmm. one of their reporters in Rio went on Grinder, and like mm-hmm. went on dates with Olympic athletes, and was like, did they out them? Like basically did like didn't say any names but made it really obvious who the people were some of these people being from like countries that are really not okay with homosexuality and it was just like so the daily beast has come under like incredible fire for it and the article was edited within like six hours of being up to like make it way less obvious who people were and like but it was still just like so firstly the article was written like in such a heterosexual way. And, like, I mean that in a, with all offence attached. Like, yeah. it was this guy <laughs> being like, I was on Grinder. I'm an average-looking man with a wife and children. Remember how I have a wife, how I'm definitely heterosexual, but I'm going on dates what, with gay was people. Was he just, like, no homoing throughout yeah. the entire hour? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. And it was- when, you first, when you first said that, I thought, I thought he must have been gay because... Nah. Why else would you go on Grinder? Nah. It was to catfish people. I'm sorry for straight people. <laughs> it's okay. I'm sorry for white people. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Wow. Which, like, and a lot of people have commented on this um, with much more knowledge than I do and have said much better things, including um, a out Tongan, I believe, diver, swimmer or diver, who sort mm-hmm. of said, like, it's still illegal to be gay in my country, but I'm in a really lucky place because, like, I can be out. I have family. I have enough prestige. Like, it's cool. Yeah. I can be out. But not everyone's in that position. And why are you no. being a fuck? Like, and it's just, like, this This Olympics has been incredible for, like, queer representation, for members of the LGB community to be there. Um, we haven't had our first trans athlete at the Olympics, I don't think, yet. Um, mm-hmm. But there are trans athletes who are becoming well-known, well-renowned. I think one of them is Chris, Chris Mosier, um, who's a really amazing member of uh, Team USA, but I don't believe he attended this Olympics. Um, but, like, this Olympics has been referred to as the most gay Olympics ever, which I think is really just fantastic. <laughs> like... There is, um, I sent you a list, and we'll put this in the show notes, of uh, lesbian and bisexual Olympic athletes to root for, which (laughs) makes me very happy, because, like, yeah, I like seeing people like me succeed. That's fun and exciting. Yeah, representation. Hell yeah. And then having people as well, like, Fu Wan Hui, I really don't... What was that, sorry? Um, Having people as well, like, Fu Wan Hui, who, like, will just... She, um, you probably didn't see this because you pay no attention to things that happen in the world. Uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, sports things that happen in the world, I should say. Um, but she had, like, finished a race and she got out and she was sort of doubled over in pain. And the person interviewing her said, are you okay? Like, you look like you're in pain. And she was like, yeah, I got my period last night. Oh, so And everyone's like, wait, what? She just. Oh, because she mentioned a period. Yeah. And like, and and we're not supposed to do that, right? Gotcha. <laughs> but like, she mentioned her period yeah. on like international television, so like, everyone saw, mm-hmm. and that's so cool. Like the fact that, that and is like, cool. I think um from what I've read, like the period taboo is like even worse in China, 
Um, and that's just like mm. never mentioned ever. And the fact that she is like a good Chinese swimmer, like I am, she's got at least one mm. medal was just like, yeah, I didn't swim very well because I had my period. I'm in a lot of pain now. I've got my period. It's a big issue. And it's just like, yeah. that makes me really happy. Yeah. Again, representation. That's that's great. Periods are a thing that women have. Not all women, but some of us. And it sucks. So, you know, it's a thing. World. Men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's... I don't know if this is why, or part of the reason why I don't watch much sports, but um, I have noticed that the commentary surrounding a lot of sports is very sexist and racist and quite traditionalist, if that makes sense. And I don't know if it's because sport is so rooted in tradition and how people say it's analogous to war you know, just that kind of very traditionalist um, culture around it. I wonder if that's why we see so much, I don't know, shitty conversations around some of our most fit humans. (laughs) I mean, I think it's also because humans are a bit shitty, right? Yeah. Like... But I do definitely notice it much... It's much more overt in sports commentary yeah like it's everywhere it's and it's over it's over in a lot of places but yeah no i I, find it's more so in sports i definitely agree with you i think like um some of that is potentially the kind of blokey culture that still surrounds a lot of sports Mm. like you have that kind of yeah blokey is the best word for it and it's yeah, that is rooted in the history of having a male dominated sport and so you can see like when the roots of something lie almost entirely at the feet of, like, white men, mm. and when you have white men commentating, they're going to say things without thinking about them, and some of those things are going to be sexist or racist. Mm. And it's just, like, this blindness both to their own privilege and also to the rest of the world that exists. Mm. And that's tough to see when you're seeing, like, so much excellence somewhere like the olympics it is tough and i guess if um i don't know if you grew up really into sports and watching sports and you'd be surrounded by that kind of culture i guess it'd be easy to to be blinded by that kind of commentary and to think this is this is just how things are oh definitely but then you have yeah a lot of and like i have observed a lot of pretty horrible racism surrounding sports in Australia. Um, mm-hmm. Australia is not nice to its Aboriginal people. <laughs> it is, in fact... I heard. You heard about the most recent blackface scenario? Um, no. Um, I... What? For Book Week, which is a week when children dress up as their favourite book character, a uh, child wanted to dress up as their favourite um, AFL, so Australian, Australian Rules Football okay. player. This player was not white. This child's mother they blacked up their, their skin. skin. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I was just kind of like, yup. <laughs> set, set the counter back to zero, Australia. It's been now been zero days since our last blackface incident. Great. Cool. 10 out of 10. Oh, great. Oh. I, oh, I just, like, in every single one of these situations, I'm just like, did, did no one stop 
them? Did no one say, hey, that's... Apparently, kind of- uh, this mother, she, like, crowed about it in a Facebook status, and she sort of said, my friends encourage me not to, but I sometimes you just have to go for it. And it's like, no! Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Then she deserves, like, all of the criticism yeah. towards that. That... And, like, and then... Because whenever this happens, I find it very hard to believe that, like, one person didn't pipe up and say, hey, that's not cool. And, I mean, look, or, in Australia, yeah. often people have, and they've just been ignored. Like, it takes a while to realise how racist Australia can be. Yeah. Because the answer is very... And I'm just, like, I'm still yeah. not used to that. I'm still just very off-put by the fact that, like, Aboriginal football players, some of who are, like, the best players in the team, like, they'll have Mm. bananas thrown at them. Mm. And that happens in 2016. I I wish I had something productive to say. What is wrong with us? Like, I, I wish... I wish I had, like, next steps or, like, things that we can do to fight this, but it's... I just need a really big sign that says, what the heck, that I can just hold up yeah. Australians intermittently <laughs> and be like, no, incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> and then sort of on the other side of probably kind of the same coin, you might recall that um, New Zealand, the uh, men's New Zealand badminton squad and their name mm-hmm. that it used to be. Do you remember what their name was? No, I don't. Uh, it was the Black Cocks. Oh, because they have shuttlecocks. Yeah, okay. yeah. So that took me so long. Okay, <laughs> right. And black is like our yeah, it's our national national color. sport color. Okay, <laughs> Serena, please. It's our national color. We are a country of goths. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah. No, this is. I mean, this is definitely one of those things where I, I so wish I had something smart and productive to say about it. But it, it's so... I mean, sexism is ingrained to our culture and racism is ingrained to our culture, full stop. Everywhere. That happens. But in cases um, like these, where it's overt to the point where I can't see myself having a productive conversation with the person to explain why it's wrong, that's when it becomes sad for me. (laughs) It's just a moment when you want to grab this person's shoulders and yell, what are you doing? Yeah. And I know that they won't understand it. Like I, it, it's gotten so over and it's gotten so far to the point where I really don't know how to start explaining why it's successful, why it's racist. Because it's just it's just so so far away from my my current understanding of the world. I mean, like that's that's why we need to have a lot of people trying to have the same conversation. Mm. Like, and that's so tough to say. And I feel like such a dick to people of color when I say that. But like, that's all we can really do is just. Yeah. Continuously try to have the same conversation. Be like, no, no, blackface is not okay. Uh, it's because it's racist. Because it's like you're making a mockery of them. And then just, like, yeah. slowly have that conversation. Maybe, like, 
22 million times. I believe 22 <laughs> million is the population of Australia. Um, and, like, eventually we'll get there. <laughs> but eventually it's so far away. It really is. And I think a, a big and very important point that you've kind of made there as well is just to not give up. Because, I mean, when these things happen, when I hear about them, I mean, I'm definitely feeling sad about it, but but we have to keep fighting on and we have to keep mentioning this and we have to keep piping up and saying, hey, did you know that thing is kind of rude and kind of racist? Well, I don't even want to say the word racist because I know people just like shut down when they hear that word. But like, you know, it's kind of rude and it's not okay and it's hurtful. And just keep reminding people. Yeah. What's good, you know? It's tough though. And like the other sort of thing I really wanted to mention this episode to round out the trifecta of awfulness mm-hmm. is so <laughs> you you will have heard about the Olympics like somehow during the course of the Olympics, right, Serena? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Despite yeah, yeah. like not being plugged into anything apparently uh, or <laughs> yeah, on Twitter I mean, very uh, my much. Mate watches the Olympics. <laughs> so how much have you heard about the Paralympics? None. They're, Unfortunately none. As, yeah. as far as I'm aware, they're normally like right after the Olympics. Yes. And no one really cares a lot of the time. Yeah, no one in my Twitter timeline has talked about the Paralympics. Um, I've been very busy, okay. I have okay. not seen it played <laughs> around the house. Yeah. Yeah, and no, I, it just hasn't been anywhere. So it's like, I know a little bit about it because our uh, wheelchair rugby team, the uh, Wheel Blacks, which is such a great name. Um, that is such a great name, I love it. <laughs> I love all our sports names. <laughs> <laughs> um, they got gold in 2004, I think. And I have mm-hmm. like a creepy memory for a lot of things. Um, And so, like, they were celebrated at that point in time. And, like, I've seen a few interviews with wheelchair rugby people at the gym about things, which, yeah. And, but it's kind of like it falls off the radar a little bit. Like, the Summer Paralympics... Okay, it's not happening yet. I've just looked this up. It'll be happening from the 14th to the 18th of September. Okay. Okay, so... Uh, no, hold on. Kind of no, straight that after. might not be right. That's when wheelchair rugby is happening. I mean, thinking about it... Thinking about it, wheelchair rugby would be really... Okay. Really freaking awesome to watch. It's just, I would like to see that. It's the 7th to the 18th of September. And, like, mm-hmm. God, it looks so hard, wheelchair rugby. Like, I cannot... I do not have enough body strength by a really long right, way. I'm just imagining like... how it might work. And I, I, I'm just like, okay, so arms... Uh, wheels, ball, what, what, how does... <laughs> so there's also uh, wheelchair basketball, mm-hmm. wheelchair tennis, and wheelchair fencing. Fencing? Yes. That would be really cool. How good does that I sound? I mean, fencing... <laughs> fencing's, like, hard enough to watch anyway. Yeah. And, like, I mean, one of the reasons I'm always, like moderately interested in sort of how the Paralympics are doing is like the technology that's being used to create artificial limbs for people at these events is just incredible. Mm. And the fact that they make very um, 
utility-based limbs rather than aesthetic-based mm. limbs. So you see a lot of... I love that, yes. Like, we make fake limbs look like limbs, but we could make them like we're cyborgs. Yeah, we could make them just better. And at the Paralympics, they do that. That's so cool. And occasionally discussions surrounding things like the Olympics will come up when it's just like, well, at some point the blades that people use in the Paralympics will make them faster than in the normal Olympics. And it's like, firstly, normal Olympics. Secondly, like, (laughs) they probably already are because no one watches the Paralympics. And, like, often um, TV stations in in countries, like, won't even bother getting the rights to it. So it becomes, like, inaccessible even to the people that do care and the people that do want to watch. Yeah, I have a feeling my flatmate would probably watch that, but honestly, like, even the Olympics coverage for us has been so bad, so I doubt that we can even get it here, the Paralympics here. We've been, like, chilling out um, every about around about lunchtime at work and just, like... Mm-hmm watching um olympics coverage from like last night and that's pretty fun i like that Mm. um yeah i actually i know i kind of know one of the australian cyclists i think um so she's legally blind and she's going to be cycling in the paralympics which is just like so cool that is really cool. I get stressed out cycling at night time, like, because my lights aren't very good. I cannot imagine what it would be like to cycle if you can't see very well. What I do like about the Olympics is that it's such a massive world stage that athletes can signal boost, essentially. They can shine a light on the very real things that are happening in the world that perhaps well not perhaps that we know that you know as everyday people in countries that aren't torn apart by war or you know with police forces that aren't shooting black people it it's a really effective place to shine a light on those very real issues that we like to shy away from and it means that all of these people, all of these people watching, you know, we can't hide from these things anymore. We have to we have to be like, oh, crap. Like, this athlete who is amazing and incredible and who I admire so much, their lives are being absolutely completely affected by this issue that I didn't know before and now I know. And that's so important. Um, I think this wasn't the Olympics, but I did read about a, uh, I think it was the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, one of their team members sat down for the national anthem to raise awareness for the Black Lives Matter movement. And people, fans burned his jersey. Like, that's how mad people were, that he sat down during the national anthem in protest. Yeah, but there have been, like, a bunch of, um particularly black veterans, but, like, veterans who aren't black as well, like, tweeting and just being like, no, he was right. <laughs> he he was right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his teammates came out in full support of him. Yeah. I think, like, the ability of sports to provide a stage like that is just, like, so valuable and is mm. often something that's overlooked, particularly by, like, intellectual jerks. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm laughing because I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. oops. Um, like, sports is really valuable. Like, it does, a lot of the time, bring people together. It provides this platform where people who might not otherwise have listened can be like, oh, hold mm. on, that's a really big issue. There was, like, the weightlifter from, I think, Kiribati, who, like, after he had, like, finished his weightlifting, like, talked about global warming and how it was probably going to destroy his island nation. And it's like, you're talking to people who otherwise mm. wouldn't have been exposed to this a lot of the time. Yeah. Like, that's so good. Yeah. And definitely, like, in a more general sense, pop culture, things that are popular are so much more important than uh, intellectual jackasses give it credit for Mm -hmm. like in every single sense of pop culture whether it be sport or like the latest pop song or some like trashy reality tv show or whatever like all of these things get so much flack from intellectual jackasses but they're so incredibly important for exactly the reasons that you said like they're a part of the cultural zeitgeist and we should we don't have to necessarily you know follow it obsessively we don't necessarily even have to like watch it every night but we do have to acknowledge its importance and its impact and its value that it gives to the world oh and that's something (laughs) that like intellectual jackasses like i know exactly the (laughs) brand of person that you're talking about (laughs) it's just like no, I'm too good for this. I'm too smart for this. Like, this is trash. This is so mainstream. They're the Just ones who, like, kind of... get real snobby about, like, Rugby World Cup and they pointedly refer to it yeah. as, like, oh, are you watching the sports ball? <laughs> I'm going to go read Proust. And it's like, I, I mean, have no time for this. I say the word sports ball. <laughs> I say that too, as well. but in, like, a much nicer yeah. way. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely have heard that. Um, refer to sports and like people referring to rugby as just like like stupid dudes running at each other kind of thing and like stupid people watch it kind of thing and it's like wow come on let people have their joy <laughs> and when you think that a lot of prominent athletes get really involved in charity work it's like chill mm. man just just chill yeah and there are a lot of prominent athletes too because it's it's all about your athletic ability and of course you know that there'd be prejudices everywhere but a lot of them are from minority communities and that matters that means that there's representation for minority communities in in the cultural zeitgeist in the in the popular sphere and i mean i, I think as we all know representation is it's the start. It's the start of everything. It's the start of steps forward. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't watch sports. I... <laughs> but hell yeah, if if you're into sports, don't let anyone make you feel bad about it. Yeah. Like... Hell yeah, if you're into anything. Like, if you're into <laughs> trashy reality TV, don't let anyone make you feel bad about it. Yeah, my friend um, Patrick Linton wrote an excellent piece about how people being snobby about the Kardashians are horrible people and you shouldn't be friends with them. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, will, I will make sure to link to that. Um, awesome. 
do you reckon it's about time to wrap up? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So thanks for listening to Things of Interest. It's a show about life and tech through a feminist lens. This episode was on the Olympics, although we talked a little bit broader at the end there. How great and inspiring and attractive are people who are very good at their passion? And how can we treat them all better? We don't know, but hopefully <laughs> someone will figure it out at some point we, soon. We do know <laughs> that they are great. Yeah, and yeah. They're so great. And <laughs> we don't know how to convince everyone, the world, to treat them better. Yeah, we're, we're, but we can try. We're not 100% on how to fix racism. Um, but we're working on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Give us a few minutes. <laughs> you can find us on our website at thingsofinterest.co and on Twitter at Casting Interest. Uh, if you've got anything you want us to talk about, discuss, if you have ideas of how we can improve, um, any comments or anything, just drop us a line through either one of those or you can email us we're at castinginterest at gmail.com give us some give us some sugar give us some, some feedback we'd love that we've got a Facebook page now as well and maybe one day it will be populated with content um, it's things of interest so the name of our show but a Facebook page and look please leave us a review on iTunes or if you like what we say recommend us to a friend we really only spread by word of mouth and our voices are getting sore so we'd like it to not be our mouth like <laughs> that is spreading the word constantly that'd be cool yeah um, but also we would be so grateful <laughs> if you said like if you recommended us or even if you like just mentioned us oh and um my my parents are now listening to this every time we get an episode oh. out so uh hello parents hi sophia's parents <laughs> hi. um thanks for listening everyone and please stay in touch <laughs>